In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this Christ the King Sunday, we acknowledge Christ as our King. The King was born into this world to be God's King. God's good earth had been spoiled by rebellion and sin and death. And it was God's project that the king would be born in order to deal with that situation. And so Jesus, the king, is born and he inaugurates his kingdom on his throne, the cross. And that acknowledgement of the victory that he won over the evil powers of this world which seek to corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. This victory that he won over sin because sin was judged and condemned on the cross. And this victory that he won as he raised up victorious out of death and death is no longer the ultimate reality. And so Jesus the King has won this victory because it's God's project that the kingship of God, the kingdom of God would overtake the entire earth. And so at the very end of Matthew's gospel, one of the very last words in the gospel and by Jesus himself, the king, is this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus, the king. And then uh, we have in the Gospel of Matthew 25, the very end of the teaching of Jesus. And then you hear about the Last Supper and his arrest and crucifixion. But chapter 25 is the very end of the teaching of Jesus. He is teaching his disciples about his return and what we know as the Last Judgment. And so Jesus is telling and teaching his disciples that when the Son of Man, when Jesus comes, the King will come in glory. He will sit at his throne and all of the nations will be assembled. Every single person, according to Christian tradition, will be before him and he will act as judge. And there will be those on the right and those on the left And we need to hear about what he has to say in today's sermon. Well, we want to know how is it that we can inherit the kingdom? What is the criteria for judgment? It's very interesting what Christ himself, the kings, mentions in this story as he teaches his disciple. Well, what is the basis for inheriting the kingdom? Well, the first would be, according to Jesus, mercy. Jesus, according to his very own teaching, said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Right. And all of these merciful acts that are done, describing all of the things that are done, giving a cup of cold water, feeding welcoming, visiting, clothing, all of those, of course, are acts of mercy. And of course, 
in all of these, we think about also forgiveness, which is a, an act and a gift of mercy to those who have offended us. <clears throat> Again, Jesus, according to his own teaching, tells us that the basis of inheriting the kingdom is that we love God and we love our neighbor. But he shows us that the way that we love God is in fact by loving our neighbor. Jesus told a, a parable about the good Samaritan. Remember the good Samaritan was the one who acted mercifully in the vulnerability of the person who was along the roadside who had been beaten up. The Samaritan was the one that became the neighbor and saw the neighbor in the other person and did what he uh, could do in order to help that person get well. And so according to Jesus, to inherit the kingdom, we would have to have love, love for God and love for our neighbor, our neighbor. Jesus would say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Paul would say it this way. He would say the most important thing is faith working itself out as love. Faith working itself out as love. <clears throat> and now if you want to hear more of the apostolic tradition of this, we go to John. John the Beloved, the close personal friend of Jesus, the one on whom Jesus rested his head at the Last Supper. John tells us this <clears throat> in his letter. <clears throat> For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help them? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And of course, Jesus lays out examples of love in action in this teaching. John would say a chapter later in his letter, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Well, what might be another basis of inheriting the kingdom of God? Well, it would to be have uh, an open heart, <clears throat> an open heart to God and an open heart to others. We are to be open to God, to receiving his life, his spirit, his direction, and also open to others, person to person, open to know them, to love them, to care for them. And so we even go a step further. It is an open heart to see Christ in the other person, in fact. And there's a, a, a theological principle that is the key to understanding this parable. 
the theological principle is this. God has identified with every person in the world through Christ, the, the Logos, who assumed the human nature that all of us share. And Christ, as he was born and taking on our human nature, identified with every single person in the universe. He identified with them in human life. He identified with them in sharing human life. He identified with them in being vulnerable. He identified with them in being thirsty, in being shunned, as well as being accepted. He identified with all of human life. He identified even with our sin, which is the mystery, maybe above all mysteries, that Christ could take upon himself the sin of the world, each individual person's sins, all of the sins of the world, and have sin condemned in his own flesh on the cross, Romans 8, and that that sin would be canceled out. And Jesus would go even further in his identification with us because after his crucifixion, he would identify totally with human death. And so Jesus is totally identified with every person and is in some sense in every person in the world, whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not, or want it or not, because this is the action of the God-man, the Son of God in the flesh. Therefore, the way that we love God is to love the neighbor because the neighbor contains Christ. And so as we look at the other person, we must seek to have an open heart to allow Christ to be in them for us. And that's why Jesus said, if you do all these things to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're actually doing it to me. And so we actually find and fulfill ourselves in the neighbor. That's where we actually find our life and the fulfillment of our life. And that's why Jesus would constantly teach, you have to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And you love your neighbor as your very self. And so Jesus, in this criteria for our entering into the kingdom reminds us that the way that we love God, in fact, is by loving one another and loving our neighbor. Now, since we know the criteria for entering the kingdom that we need to be merciful, we need to be forgiving, we need to love one another, love God through our neighbor, that we, in fact, find and fulfill ourselves in doing good for our neighbor. Now that we know all that, what sort of things come up, especially after Thanksgiving when you spend extra time with all of your family, right? That's supposed to be funny. It's okay to laugh. I, I know we're talking about the last judgment, but we need a, a humorous reprieve. But 
This is the time for repentance. This is the time for change. This is the time, as a matter of fact, that we practice living in the kingdom because inheriting the kingdom will be nothing but loving one another and loving God and loving God in one another and a personal encounter with one another in love. That is the kingdom. So we have to get used to that and it's time that we start to practice that. So uh, what commitments, what priorities do we need to change? We need to find ways to show mercy. We need to engage in outreach. We need to engage others and practice seeing Christ in them. So just think about someone that you find very unappealing, very unattractive, someone that you may even dislike, someone maybe that you need to forgive. Think about that person and then open your mind and your heart and allow God to put Christ in them and on their face, the face of Christ on the face of the other. But we at St. Francis are very generous. This is the end of all that we do in reaching out to others. And so we will continue to buy a coat. We'll continue to take an angel off the, the angel tree. We'll continue to buy a Lord of the Streets card. We will find a family to uh, adopt for Thanksgiving or Christmas, will help someone go to camp. All of these are in fact very concrete, tangible ways that we show love to one another, that we show love to our neighbor. And it's always better to have a person-to-person contact as we do this work. So Whatever contact we have with people, whether we're peers or whether we're helping people that we don't really know very much, it is always better to have a face-to-face contact because the kingdom of God can occur then, but it's also good to write a check if that face-to-face contact is not available. According to Jesus, Jesus didn't mention any sin in this last judgment, did he? It's interesting. Faith was actually not mentioned, but all of these works are the outcome of real faith. But it all has to do with mercy and love and the neighbor and loving God in and through the neighbor and serving Christ in and through our neighbors. On this Christ the King Sunday, may we be strengthened in this Holy Eucharist to continue to do those things so that we will with joy inherit his kingdom.